we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1, and I would really encourage you to have a Bible in your hand. We've ordered some extra um, of, the, of, our, of our journaling Bibles, but they have not yet arrived to my understanding, right? So sorry if you didn't get a little journaling Bible, but we'll have one hopefully soon when they come in. But make sure you have a copy of Colossians in front of you, and, and we're going to start our journey by actually going back a few pages to the book of Ephesians. And I know it may not be in your journaling Bible, but I'm just going to trust that you have still a Bible with you maybe and a phone. Uh, and if not, you can just actually listen to me as I, as I read this. You know, um, so remember, just for context, as we've been going through this book, um, the book of Colossians and the book of Ephesians were likely written at the same time from the j- same jail cell. If you read them side by side, I really would encourage you to do that, to read them fast side by side to see how much overlap there is. We get a lot of help from each other seeing how one fills out the other and some thoughts. And uh, over the last year, I've been spending a lot of time meditating in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, and so I, my, my mind was all there. So as I've been going through Colossians, it's just like boom, 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 just hitting all these little little landmines of goodness uh, in my heart and my mind. And so um, both in Ephesians and in Colossians, remember Paul's sitting there, and he, he, he has a diagnostic he has put on both churches, and they've both passed well. And he's really excited about that. And if you remember right, the diagnostic is this. I hear that you have a genuine faith, so correct understanding of the gospel, and it seems to be authentic, genuine faith, and a love for all the saints. That's a leading metric. It's, it's, a, it's a leading gauge that sticks right on top of a church. Like, Do they think right, believe right? And number two, does that flesh out in a love for all the saints? Not just a couple, not even just the whole room full of that church, but a love for the great family of God, all the saints. So he says that of the church in Ephesus. He says of the church in Colossae because he's excited about it, passed that first test. And then in both books, in Colossians and Ephesians, he then goes on to pray for something deeper in them. Having passed the first test of a genuine faith and a love for all the saints, now he wants something more for them. He wants he wants a thriving maturity for them. He wants them to really, really get it. So there's a prayer stuck in Ephesians 1, and there's a prayer stuck in Colossians 1. There's a lot of overlap on them. And these are the things that Paul's saying, man, I really, if, you, if you could get this, if God would open your eyes and let your heart like wrap around this, it would change everything. So let me read for you the prayer in Ephesians, in case you can't look at it. This is Ephesians 1, 16 to 22, and it says this. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Listen, that he might give that to you. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, and that you may know, he's got three things, that you may know three things. That you may know what is the hope or the certainty to which he's called you. Number two, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And number three, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? So certainty, inheritance, and a glorious power towards us who believe. And he goes, you want to know what I'm talking about? He said that power, um, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and all authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet. That kind of power. So three things 
that your eyes be open to be able to tangle with. Number one, how rock solid certain your future is. Number two, the glorious levels of the inheritance that you get. And third, just how immense God's power is aiming towards you, right? So he says those three things there, and he describes that power and the fact that that power was exactly what was poured out on Jesus as Jesus was raised from the dead. So catching up now in the book of Colossians, so now we're back in Colossians, so now you can open up your, your journal Bibles. Um, catching up with where we were over the last week, um, Dempsey preached for us last week, and I really appreciate his message. He took us through um, verses 9 and 10, and in verses 9 and 10, he walked us through um, a number of elements of that passage. And I want, I want to be able to pull this up for you guys. I have it up here, but you can follow along in your Bible. Uh, right here I have Colossians verses, uh, 1, verses 10 to 12. And, um, and so he mentioned, he had preached through in this passage, that Paul is asking that the Lord would do something for them. Again, almost like the language of like opening up the eyes, that they would be able to get something, that they would be able to know the will of God. And de- as Dempsey described greatly last week, the will of God, having two senses to it. Number one, what God decrees. So this is God's plan and what he's up to over history and putting Jesus, uh, all things under Jesus. So number one, his plan, decree. And number two, the will on God in what he loves and what he hates. So the true ethics of the universe, true beauty, perfect commands, and amazing promises to know what the will of God is, is what he's praying for them. And if they get that, then verse 10 tells us, or verse 9 tells us then, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. So you can't walk as a Christian, as a fully accepted and adopted child of God, you can't walk in a manner pleasing of the Lord, really without the fuel that comes before it, which is an understanding and an apprehension and an embracing of the will of God and knowing who God is and what he's up to. The adopting of God's will as your will now. That then fuels this ability to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And then he gives four ings, and this brings up the word today, four ings that are marks of what it means to be a person who embraces the will of God. Not just gets it, but embraces it. You understand what he's doing. You understand what's on his heart. And it's not just simply understood and can't be, oh, thank you. It's amazing how much better that looks. You know, we're all friends here. I don't need someone from the back to be able to do that. All right, okay. You can tell me. Whew, that was, that was rough. Okay. So let me back the train up on this so you guys can see where I'm going here. Okay, the marks of those who embrace God's will. So our first piece today is this. God mightily empowers those who embrace his will. He mightily empowers those who embrace, embrace his will. If you look at Colossians 1, verses 11 to 12 here, I want to show you guys um, that we have a number of, of ings, shall we say, that are the four marks of what happens when a person really is opening, their God has opened their eyes and they embrace who God is and what he is doing. And I'm just going to draw them out here for you, you guys so you can see. Because um, it may not be super clear to you here. Okay, so number one it is bearing. Oh, man, this is just not a good working day, is it? Well, bearing, okay? So, little, gra- little grammar pieces here. You have main verbs, and then you have things that are supplementary to that, right? Um, 
John Hansel's been down teaching a class on like biblical interpretation. So there's just certain rules of understanding even any type of language we have that kind of give a structure to this. There's four things in here that all are all subservient to this idea of embracing the will of God. So number one, bearing fruit in every good work. Number two, increasing in the knowledge of God. Those two things Dempsey walked us through last week. So as we embrace, embrace God's will and we're walking in a manner pleasing Him, our life is characterized by bearing good fruit. So we take those opportunities that are put in front of us and we embrace them in obedience to Jesus and pursuing Him, and good fruit comes out of that. So we're ongoing bearing good fruit. Then it causes us to lap back into increasing in the knowledge of God. So we don't simply learn about God, learn about his ways. Okay, I think I've got a handle on the will of God, both in a sense of decrees and the things he loves and hates, and therefore I've got it. No, no, no. We actually do something with it. It shapes us. And so we are bearing good fruit in this life. And then we are increasing once again in the knowledge of God. We keep going back. We keep going back. We keep going into the words of God. We keep understanding and growing and learning new things. So ing number one is bearing fruit. Ing number two is increasing in the knowledge of God. And then it brings us to our verses today. Being strengthened with all power. So it may not be so clear to you like with this, but I'm just saying like in the grammar, there's four, these four things are all parallel. What's unique about this fourth one here, being strengthened with all power, which is then followed by giving thanksgiving, is that this one here is particularly passive. So here's the interesting thing. Paul is saying, I'm praying these things for you. I'm longing things for you. Just like he did in Ephesus. Here he goes, I want these things for you. I want you to be able to grapple with and understand what to know. To know the will of God and to know it with spiritual wisdom and insight. So that's, that's not simply being able to like list it on a piece of paper. That's not even being able to have great insights, shall we say. But it's the apprehension of the whole heart that's embracing who God is and what he's doing. And I want this to happen to you because the fruit that comes out of that is a life that is pleasing to the Lord. All these moments of where we chase the Lord instead of chasing our natural desires in the flesh. And these marks come out. And the first two particularly are very active in us. We are bearing fruit. We are seizing those opportunities that are put in front of us to be able to bear fruit in honor and glory to the Lord. And then number two, we are increasing in that knowledge as we pursue him. But the third one that happens in verse 11 is that we are being strengthened. We are being strengthened by God. So literally Paul is saying, I want, I'm praying for you that you will watch this happen to you. He's not saying strengthen yourself. He's saying, I'm praying that you will be strengthened. And he says it with some pretty, pretty strong language. Some of his language is that you can and can't see here. Man, I'm having a fun day with my slideshow. Hey, so um, just love me today. How about that? Okay. Um, some of the language that you may not be very apparent to you when you first read it is when he's saying, I want you to be increasing, uh, to be strengthened. He says, uh, literally in our, t- our translations here, it says being strengthened with all power, but literally in the Greek, it's like in all power empowering, in all strength strengthening. So it's a double, there's a doubling of words there. It's not just, yeah, you get stronger. Like, no, no, no. I'm praying that he's going to blow you up. I'm praying he's going to dump that power into you. Then he heightens it with, to what degree? Next, next words there in the verse, verse 11. According to his glorious might. So 
how how much does he? I mean, he's praying that he will blow him up in power. It's to the level that it looks like when God Himself is dumping His power into somebody. This third mark of the person of embracing God's will is unique. It is God pouring out His strong, strong power in us. Uh, we see we see an example of this also in Ephesians 1, 16, 17 that I read in the beginning. If you remember this, he said that they would understand what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. See, the thing that Paul wants in them is this mighty, thriving maturity to happen to him. One of the marks of that is in a person's life that knows Jesus Christ, that God is doing this great work in, is that he instills them with power. Instills them with power. Now, when you hear that, you think, okay, what does that mean? Bzz, that type of power? Like and be able to do an amazing miracle, to raise someone from the dead. But in this passage here, it's really clear what that power is. If you look at the original verse of verse 11, it ends with this. According to his glorious might for the endurance and patience with joy. For the endurance and patience of joy. He's going to do a work in us when we are in positions where we're not strong. He's going to do a work in us when we're in positions where we're not capable. When we don't look good, when we're not wonderful, that is the time when this type of power is unleashed. He explains this in different ways in Ephesians and in Colossians. And Ephesians particularly talks about all this power that's going to be probably, that's going to be, we're going to experience after we, well, after we die, right? As we are transferred into God's presence, as we are transformed into the likeness of Christ, like as he is, we will be. All this power of, of God's power being unfolded on us as we are elevated and we are exalted and we are going to rule and reign with him. So there's all kinds of power unleashed on us after we die. Colossians here is particularly talking about all kinds of power that's released on you right here, right now. And the way you look are particularly two elements, endurance and patience. Well, why would you need endurance and why would you need patience? You need endurance and patience when things aren't easy. The will of God for his children, is to bring us into worlds, into things where things aren't easy, and then God in those moments supplies power. So it's clearly not Mary, and it clearly is Jesus. And it's a beautiful and wonderful thing. And Paul's saying, I'm praying this for you. I'm praying that you will experience God unfolding his massive power in your life and doing in you things that you cannot do, things that are obviously not of your flesh, things that are obviously things of God, where it looks like and it's evident that God himself is doing this transformative work, strengthening you in a moment when you need it. We see this in a number of places elsewhere in the scriptures. If we look in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 11, it says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us the context of power see it again second corinthians 12 9 but he said to me this is this is this is jesus saying to paul himself he said my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness 
Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Ephesians 3.16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Finally, Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work in us. The power that he's talking about here being poured out from God himself, God advertising these grand statements, the might of his glorious power, is power that he pours out into us by his delight, and he does it in a time where obviously we don't have the power in ourselves. So that we and the whole world sees God doing a majestic and beautiful and wonderful thing. It is the, the process of experiencing strength like you've never had it before in the moment of clear weakness. So what's funny is, um, in, in for us gospel people, we talk about gospel, we often love the fact, and we tell you, hey, I'm, I'm a sinner. Uh, I never brought anything to the kingdom of God. I was running away from the Lord. We sang it some of the songs. He came to me, captured me in his grace, brought me to him. I was a sinner, and now I'm a saint. But there is this part of us, I mean, for me, and I think maybe many of you, where we don't like to own up to that post-salvation. Like, we like to, like, okay, now, but now I'm accepted. Now I'm respected. I know me some Bible verses. I've been around here for a little while. I want people to respect me. I want people to see my strength. I don't want people to see me in my weakness. I like to, I don't mind having been formerly weak, but now I like to be made strong. It is the plan of Christ to come to us in our weakness and salvation, and it is the plan of Christ to be our strength for us after salvation. That You'll never be the hero of the story. You'll be his workmanship. He will change you again and again and again and again, but he is doing the changing. You are the art project that he is doing, and he does it, and he tells us that he does it in a unique way so that he brings us into situations that are beyond us, but all hope is not lost. He brings us there, and then he pours out that power on us according to the greatness of his power, so that something amazing happens, and it particularly happens in you. That instead of you and me getting bitter, and you and me growing desperate, and you and me fleeing that relationship, and getting out of this, and going out of that, and diving deeper into alcohol, or Twinkies, or whatever you happen to dive into, like instead of going all those paths, instead, we sit before the Lord, and we say, God, I, I am uh, utterly weak. I don't have the ability to, to deal with this. I need your help. I'm, I'm embarrassed. I don't look good. I don't have what my family needs from me right now. I don't have what my spouse needs from me. I don't have anything anybody's ever want to marry right now. Like, I am in need. Please help me. Please provide the strength through me. And what he does is he provides divine, supernatural strength in you so that you will then experience endurance, the ability to stay where he's placed you, and patience, the ability, the, the, the mindset in which you can go through that, and it's characterized and categorized at the end with the word enjoy. So you can be joyfully enduring and joyfully patient in a spot where you couldn't in your own flesh. And it happens in a way that people sit around you and go, that's not normal. That's not normal. If I was in her shoes, I'd be angry. If I was in his shoes, I'd be desperate. If I was in their shoes, I would flee. I would do these different things. But instead... They sit there and they sing songs of praise to the Lord in prison. And instead, they praise the Lord and sing and give thanks when they're sick and when their kids are sick. They have peace when their friends are lost. 
These are all demonstrations of this power because the people have been changed. They're actively changed by the Lord as they experience that power. And it's a beautiful and wonderful thing. So what would the Colossians do when they're reading this? Since Paul's not saying, hey, get strong. Paul's saying, I'm praying for you that you would experience because you have got and embraced the will of God. Again, what does it mean to embrace the will of God? means to know his mind, his plan, his decrees, know where he, who he is and where he's going. And number two, to know what he loves and hates and to own all of that. Own all of that because you have a grasp, which means you're not a lightweight theolo- uh, in theology. You're not a lightweight. You're not just a person who's just kind of like does some insta, you know, insta shopping right through the scripture and picks up a few little, you know, uh, fortune cookie glibs out of scripture. But you study it so you can get the mind of Jesus. So you have the mind of Jesus. You embrace the heart of Jesus. What do you do with that as a Colossian? Because he said, I just pray that for you. What you would do as a Colossian believer is you'd long for it. Say, I want that. I want that. So yes, Father, please give me. I join in the prayer, Paul, that you would give me that type of power. Do that work of me. Please give it to me. And here's the unique thing. God is saying through Paul to them, I do give that kind of power. And I give it by the truckload. That's why he puts all those high words on it. That's why he says, I will, I will with power empower them, or with strength strengthen them, according to my glorious might. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power? How great? The type of power that pulls Jesus out of the grave. The kind of power that lifts Jesus up above every name that is a name. That kind of power. God says, with that hand of mine, that's what I will do in you in those times of need. So as you say, it's like, give it to me. I want it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna act like I'm strong enough for this life that you've given me. You told me you're gonna take me into waters beyond me, bring me into a mission that's way beyond me. So please, give that to me. And I know that means the exposing of my weakness. But I'm okay, so that Christ can be everything. So be my everything. So plead for it. So how do we deal with it? Just like the Colossians. Look at the power, and decide: Do you want that power? Or do you, just, do you want to tweak in your circumstances every time? Because that's not very amazing. What's amazing and beautiful and testifying God's grace is when, not when the circumstances are tweaked, but when you're tweaked, right? When you're changed, when you're transformed, and the mighty hand of God is at work in your soul. He's making that something of you so beautiful, so wonderful. Like, there's so many guys I know in here, and I know your backstories, and shoot, there's tough things happening right at this moment, um, I don't think she'd mind. Mary got a, a rough diagnosis on her eyes this week, and so we just need to pray for her with her eyes. But above all things, we pray for Mary's soul. We want her vision to be strong and everything, but we want her soul to be stronger. We want her to be bolstered up with the power that God gives. There's so many of you guys that, have, that just you wear the testimonies of these things. The reason you're so stinking beautiful is because God has brought you into tough situations, and in the tough situations, God has provided that power. And he's done it in a way that is absolutely, unquestionably of the Lord. So that people who don't even appreciate the Lord at all just go, I don't know how to explain that person. I don't know how to explain their perspective and their joy and their patience and their endurance because God has done that to you. And it's some of the most beautiful things we've ever seen. It is probably flashback to Psalm 16. When who are the saints in the land? They are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. It is beautiful and wonderful to see the power of God poured out in the life of a believer. 
So we are people of God's power. We don't give up, nor are we defined based upon our seen results or reception or circumstances, but rather out of God who is with us in the midst of all he leads us into. The maturing work of God in a believer's life will show by God providing noticeable divine power to create joyful endurance and patience. Our second piece today is this. Those who embrace his will are thankful for his heritage. So I, I'm keeping, I'm, I'm holding up this embracing as well. I'm, the reason I'm doing that, because back at eight and, eight and nine, this is what he's praying. I'm praying that you will know the will of God, and not just know it in the head, but know it, understand it, and embrace it. So that's the fuel that everything flows out of. So you got to know the, the, the will of God in that sense, both the decrees, his loves and hates, so those who embrace his will are thankful for their inheritance, and we are in Thanksgiving weekend. Look at that. Perfect lineup, right? The fourth ing that marks the person who embraces the will of God is giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share an inheritance of the saints in light. Here's a, here's a life of Thanksgiving. We hit Thanksgiving a little bit at the beginning of this book, and uh, uh, which I really appreciated and I feel like I've been stirred in my heart to to try to live in, in more Thanksgiving because here's the deal. God is doing stuff all the time, all this time. And God does things here now. God does things in the future that are certain. He's designed for us to be thankful for all of the above, right? So I've been trying to think lately, and uh, when we do uh, pastor prayer on Thursdays and when we do open prayer on Tuesday mornings, okay, by the way, we have open prayer on Tuesday mornings at 7.30 in the church office. We have coffee. I'll make you a cup. Uh, I would love for you to come to pray with us, right? Or you can jump in on Zoom. In fact, I would just challenge everyone in the church, either on Sunday mornings before the service at 9.45, come and pray. Pray for a month with people before the service. Or come on a Tuesday morning and pray for us. Or if you go, that doesn't work, but I'd like to start a prayer time, please talk to me and we will advertise it. I think it would be so helpful to you, brothers and sisters, to learn to pray out of God's word with God's people. Don't just do it once. Go beyond doing it once a month with your MC, but to make it a regular pattern of your life. It's one of the sweetest things that the Lord's given me in the last five years is learning how to pray with people. And so um, I get to do it multiple times a week. And I would encourage you guys, if you happen to not have something on your calendar at 7.30 to 8.15 on Tuesday mornings, join us online or come join us in person. Love to have you do it. In those times, we're praying from the scripture, and then we kind of go out from there. But recently, because of, of Colossians, uh, we've been trying to instill more times of thanksgiving, right? A little bit of time set aside for, hey, let's just, let's just ask the Spirit of God to stir our minds to notice all the good things that he's been doing and just start piling it in. We're just like emptying the bags of goods, right? Things he's teaching us, things he's given us, things he's solved, things we've been praying for. Just pile it up on the table, run your hands through it, and say, look at the goodness that God has done. He's not lazy. He's not lazy, and he's not cheap. So Thanksgiving, this is the week of it. I think it's a really sweet time to consider this. I want to challenge you because this last fourth part here is an active one. one of the, the fourth mark that marks the person that embraces the will of God, that really gets the will of God, is they are thankful people. Not that they're grateful people, but they are thanksgiving people. They think about it, they identify it, and they give it back to the Lord. It's a processed issue. So Thanksgiving. And while we thank the Lord for all kinds of good stuff he gives now, and aren't we all just loaded with those good things? I mean, just if, if, you, if you slow down and ask the Lord, just bring to your mind um, 
sustenance, things of health, things of relationships, things of incidental joys through the, uh, through the day, incidental moments of safety, conversations, opportunities for the gospel to go out, opportunities to love, opportunities to be loved. If you just start slowing down and thinking about it, pretty soon you got a bucket of about 150 things at the end of the day. Not to mention your heart's still beating. Some good ones like that, right? So we have all these kind of things here. But what's interesting in this text is that what he's thanking for, what, what, what the will of God embracing heart is thankful for in this text is not so much the good stuff God gives you today. It is the good stuff he will give you tomorrow. And by, by tomorrow, I mean a capital T tomorrow when he takes you home. Look at the end of the sentence, verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Do you remember back, do you remember back in, in uh, Ephesians? Right? Three things he's asking God to open their eyes to see. Right? Certainty of the future. Number two, the, the riches of, the of his glorious inheritance in the saints. The riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints. And here you have that same theme. To share in the inheritance of the saints in life. So let me just say two quick words. Um, number one, it's done. How do I know it's done? A careful reading of verse 12 says, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints? So Christians, part of our gospel understanding is Jesus has done this. And if you've put your faith in Jesus, the qualifying is a past issue. You have been qualified. You can't listen to spiritual sources that tell you you can't know if you're qualified. You can't listen to spiritual sources that say you can't know if you're a saint. The Spirit of God through Paul says, au contraire, you can know if you're a saint, and you can know that you have been qualified. The inheritance is yours. It's not simply here. In 1 Peter 1, 3-4, it's up there if you want to read it. Similar language from the Spirit of God through Peter. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has, 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 he has caused us to be born again to living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. It's done. It's done. What is that fourth mark of the person that really gets the will of God and embraces it? They're a person that gives thanks. And, and, and they, they understand the work is done. They understand they are qualified for that, that inheritance. They understand that inheritance is theirs. It's secure. And they really want that inheritance. So this is gospel truth. Christ does that work for us, right? We could never do that work ourselves. We could never qualify ourselves for us. This is why you can never up your game and get good enough to bring yourself in a relationship with God. You've got to be qualified by someone else. His name is Jesus. And every believer that walks the world has been qualified for this by the work of Jesus. But here, what, is there, what are they qualified for? To share in the inheritance of the saints in life. And that's just a weird, that's just a weird topic to me. I don't know. Maybe not to you. Maybe this is like old hat to you. But the future inheritance of us as Christians. Um, if I asked you right now to give me a couple texts, some of us, we could probably get a couple texts from the floor that were Floor, uh, text dealing with inheritance, but really, what do you get? You, you go out there and, and you die today and you're with Jesus in glory now. 
what is this inheritance that he's talking about? I would tell you that the inheritance given to us as saints, we're giving, we're given bright, it's, it's almost like um, some bright shining stars in the sky. They shine pretty bright. The words are pretty vivid, but they're pretty far out there. The only way we understand those things are we study Scripture, we meditate on Scripture, and then wait for the Lord to God, the Spirit to help us by opening our eyes to understand these things more and more and put the pieces together. Um, we do have inheritance that comes from I have a few things, and here's, here's a speed list of some of these inheritance things. Number one, you live forever. Number two, we experience the presence of our Father and His full love. Number three, we is described as the riches of His glorious inheritance. Number four, we will judge angels. Number five, we will be like Jesus physically with our resurrected bodies. Number six, we will be free of sin, pain, or sorrow. Number seven, we will reign. Number eight, we will reign on the earth. And the last one is he will continually pour out new graces on us all the time. Those are some of them. Those are just a few that I just kind of scraped out of there. And what's interesting is the way he says these words. I would say maybe just my picture of that. They're like a shining star. You you see it's bright. You see it's hot. You see it's big. But some of it's mysterious outside of that. I would encourage you guys to meditate. Here are four larger passages I would encourage you to write down or memorize or take a picture of. to chew on. These are four leading passages in the New Testament that talk about our inheritance that comes to us. So crack open your Bible over Thanksgiving time today. Read these things. Look about what is God saying is up ahead of you. Because one of the marks for all of Christians in the New Testament is they weren't counting on this life being their main life. They're counting on the next life being their inheritance. And so they loved it. And they were looking forward to it. And they would meditate on it. And they would think about it. And the, right, the Spirit of God is putting through the writers of the New Testament, look at the inheritance, look at the inheritance, look at the inheritance. You get all of this. In such vast language, he says, all things are yours. All things are yours. So don't be thrown off. Don't be a Scott Burns. Sometimes when I go in there and I just see a few hot terms and I can't really get it all, sometimes I'll move by, I move by it. The reason is, because my heart is kind of cold towards the will of God at that point. When my heart is hot towards the will of God, knowing his plan and knowing the things he loves and hates, then I'll slow down and go, all right, Lord, I, I love you and I'm thankful and my heart is in tune with you. So let me slow down and just gaze on these passages. Open my eyes because as advertised in Ephesians, as advertised here, these are things that God must do in us. God must grant us that embracing of the will of God. And if he does that, these things come out. We bear much fruit. We dive deeper in the knowledge of God. We experience the supernatural strengthening of God's power in our life, producing patience and endurance with joy. And then it creates in us a thankfulness, not so much that I have bread on the table. Oh, I got that. But I'm so thankful for the so much more than bread that comes in the future. My glorious inheritance coming to me and all the saints to come. There's a change of our appetite. There's a change of our desire. There's a building up of faith and understanding that takes place. And only God gives that. So if only God gives that, my friends, I would say, beg God for these things. Because he's not saying, I got this stuff. Don't you wish you had it? This is like, this is like being in a big family where all of a sudden the word is passed out. The dad is handing out cars. And not just clunkers. Like a black Hyundai with the front bumper missing, whoever that is out there. It's nice. Who is that? Hey. Um, like, 
I know, God's good. So not just cars, but he's handing out supercars, amazing vehicles. He set the word out. So if he's setting the word out that he's handing out super amazing things, run to dad and say, when and what am I getting? And if God is saying, I hand out this super amazing, this amazing power in people's life, and I build this Thanksgiving, I change the heart to want the inheritance in the future. If he's saying that, run to him and say, God, please change my heart. Let me not look like myself anymore. Transform me. Do the work inside me. Make me something I'm not today so that I look clearly like you. My life is overflowing with these four marks that I might have a life of joy tasting the will of God firsthand, walking the walk of faith, bringing pleasure to you. The maturing work of God in a believer's life will move the heart to learn about, really care about, and regularly thank the Father for the future eternal inheritance that God has guaranteed and is preserving for them. And if you don't care, and if you notice you don't care, ask God for help. Don't hide it. Don't blow off. Ask Him for help because He's telling us He helps. Father, thank You so much for this work. Every last one of us that sits in this room today sits here that knows you, we sit here because you and your power have overtaken us. You have curtailed our stubbornness and our blindness. You have opened our eyes to the wonders of who you are, the wonders of Jesus, the glories of grace. That is your work. You brought us to life. And if you brought us to life, will you not freely give us all things? Won't you please, Father, for us that listen to this online, for us who sit in this room this morning, please pour out your power. I pray, I pray that for my friends who are listening online or here that don't know you. I pray, Lord, that you would do that great, great work. Amaze them. And may the words of Paul flow out of their mouth like the words of Damascus Road. And for my brothers and sisters that listen to this, Father, please freshly and newly change our hearts. Let us love the lovely. Let us long for the things that are best and pure and holy. Let our hearts be tuned towards the things that are eternal and powerful. Give us eyes to see just how glorious our inheritance is and that we would want it and we'd be so thankful for it because it is certain for us and it is coming. You have promised that. So Father, please honor Paul's prayer for the Ephesians by honoring those th things in us as Cross City and every last one of us in here from young to old. Do these works in our heart. Pour out the work of your Spirit, Lord, so that we might bear fruit for you. We might increase the knowledge of you. We might experience the supernatural strengthening of our souls and patience and endurance. And, Father, that we might be moved to thanksgiving, bringing ourselves back to thanksgiving, looking forward at all that you were to bring to us because our hope is out there. We're looking forward to that. We're banking on that. Please do that transformative work for your glory, for our joy, and for the hope of the entire world. And all my brothers and sisters said, amen.